Everyone's so busy keeping up. Forget about the Joneses, we all on our telephones. With the texts and the tweets and the beats. What he said, she said, can't even follow the three. Down the hole, we all go. Me, I like keeping up too. With my corona and my attitude. That's La Vida Masfina. Relax responsibly. Corona Extra Beer. Imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome back to the Chin Music Show, our twins and baseball show at TalkNorth.com. We are all wearing our new M hats and our dark blue jerseys just to honor all the changes. Uh, Lavelle has been to San Diego, has been keeping up with Twins news. Lavelle Neal, of course, Star Tribune columnist. We also have Roy Smalley, former Twins great, current Twins broadcaster and baseball analyst. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune and our producer is Brandon Morton. We appreciate you listening. Why don't we start with Lavelle today? Lavelle, just tell us, uh, we we're talking here on Friday morning. Uh, and of course, the nature of the offseason is anything could happen at any time. We're, we're going to talk about what we think is happening right now behind the scenes because the Twins really haven't done much. Lavelle, just give us an update on where the Twins are, what you've heard about what they're doing and what your time in San Diego was like. Yeah, you know, I went out there because I'm on the Veterans Committee uh, to determine uh, who would go off the modern era uh, list of candidates to Hall of Fame. Of course, we ended up voting for crime doc Fred McGriff to uh, to enter Cooper's, the doors of Cooperstown. So we're all really happy about that. But it also gave me some opportunities to kind of connect with some Twins people over just what the hell is going on. Um, they, are, you know, they have they're trying to remind us to uh, to keep Carlos Correa for uh, for the long term here. They met with him and Scott Boris on Saturday night. Uh, in the LA area, I want to say Newport Beach because I think that that's where uh, Boris's headquarters are. Um, I guess they also met with a couple of the Boris clients and Xander Bogarts and Carlos Rondon, left-hander who uh, had a sub three RA last year for the Giants. And Twins expressed interest in all three of those guys. You know, Bogarts uh, was supposed to be the backup plan to Correa, but Bogarts has since decided to sign with the Padres. Um, what got really fascinating was some of the other nuggets I picked up. Uh, one, uh, Max Kepler is drawing trade interest, and the Twins are wondering, you know, if this is a good time to move on from him and get something in return. Um, basically, kept the interest in Kepler stems from the fact that he's a really good defensive player, and teams are looking at the defensive metric and seeing some value there. Uh, so, uh, so apparently they've been feeling some calls about Kepler. And the other thing was, once again, they reiterated a willingness to trade um, Luis Arias, which uh, outrages me <laughs> inside. Um, and it comes from a concern over his long-term durability, um, body type, injury history, being able to hold up defensively in the field. Uh, they just think that eventually the body's going to break down on him and it's going to uh, it may be better off if they try to get something for him now. I totally disagree with this because uh, Luis Arias is a winning player. He helps you win, and he looks like one of the few guys at the plate in a big situation that looks like he's going to get a hit, not hoping to get a hit, but is going to get a hit um, uh, when, when the chips are down. And I 
just think the Twins be making. They should be going the opposite direction with Luis. They should be trying to lock him up to a long-term deal. Uh, I was told that they did approach him about a year ago about a multi-year deal, and he turned it down and, and, uh, you know, for willingness to bet on himself and see if he can improve his numbers and make himself more attractive. And, yes, he did. Uh, going to the All-Star game for the first time and winning a batting title you know, definitely helps his case. Um, the final twins, I keep Luis. I, I just don't uh, fathom the the... the the thought process of trying to move him. Although if, if they, if there's a kid like uh, Pablo Lopez, a starter for uh, the, uh, the Marlins, who's pretty talented, if it takes a rise to be part of a package to land him, I guess they'd have to consider it. But man, uh, I just, I just like everything Luis is about. He's one of the guys you root for because he wasn't physically gifted as a kid, as a teenager, uh, wasn't a big time power here, but you know what? He has a skill. And that skill plays in the majors and it makes him a coveted person. And it just kind of baffles me that they would be so willing to move him. So um, the Korea thing, I don't know how that's going to play out. Korea wants to wait out the market. And as we see these other shortstops sign elsewhere, uh, his value is going up. I know he wants to cash in on an average annual value component. So it sounds like he's going to have to get $35 million a year or even more uh, as part of a deal. I just, don't know how far the Twins can go with this, but they've been trying. They were supposed to talk to Boris uh, at the winter meetings a couple of days ago, even after the Saturday dinner. So they're keeping in touch with him to see if this uh, this can uh, this, this can happen. So, um, and the crazy, other crazy thing, one Chris, I've been running my mouth a lot here. Um, they're interested, you know, in signing Rodon, which may take twenty five million dollars a year. Then I was told that they may end up trading a starter if that happens just to make the financials work out, which could be, I heard Sonny Gray and I even heard Kenta Maeda, but I'm like, well, Maeda's value isn't going to be that high. He's coming out of Tommy John, but you know, Sonny Gray, Sonny Gray's scheduled to make 12 million next year. Uh, you know that if they ended up landing Rodon and they could use a lefty in a rotation, we all know um, they may have to look at pairing some salary in the other direction. So there were some, there's some tentacles coming out of San Diego. Uh, the couple of days I was there. Interesting stuff. Roy, why don't you give me a reaction to what Lavelle's talking about? Uh, well, there's a lot to unpack there, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, um, start with a rise. Uh, I, I, I am not in the same camp necessarily as Lavelle. Um, I, I understand uh, and agree with uh, everything Lavelle said up till the point of, well, you can't, you can't trade him because you certainly can. It, d- it depends on the deal. And I, I think where the twins are, uh, I, I, I also uh, am in the twins camp in terms of worried about his health. Um, and um, ultimately, uh, I agree with Lavelle about how uh, important he, he takes the toughest uh, at bats of anybody. And uh, the twins, the twins need offense. I mean, if they lose him, it's, it's going to be a blow to their offense. But I think what we've what we've seen is just going to depend on the on the deal because um, if they could sign Rodon, which I would love to see because I like that guy's stuff an awful lot. I like his I like his his demeanor on the mat, his 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 uh, toughness. Uh, I'd love to see him in the Twins uh, uh, in the Twins rotation, and if they were able to package a deal for, for uh, 
arise and whatever for a, a really good upcoming uh, starter like LaBelle mentioned, I would probably make that deal because I think where they are now, they, they look at their bullpen and they say, you know what, We've, we, we have got as good a bullpen as there is in, in uh, certainly in the division and maybe in the American League. We have to get there. We have to be able to get to the bullpen. And uh, that was their biggest issue uh, last year. I mean, I think I think Lopez was kind of so-so uh, when he came over here, but I think he's I think he's long-term, really good eighth and ninth inning guy. Um, and you know, to go with everybody else that they have out there, I think the bullpen's great. So they got to get there, and they got they have to figure it out. And I am not as big a Luis Arise fan uh, as uh, as Lavelle is, even though. I, I, I uh, agree with Lavelle's assessment of him. The, uh, the, the lack of power and the concern about, um, you know, health long-term and even most importantly, you know, defense. Um, I think if you, if you can get pitching, then you get pitching. Uh, they don't have that many guys to, you know, they have value enough that they can, they can, uh, do without, and it would be tough to do without Luis Arise, but that's the nature of trades. And I, 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 I hope I, I don't, I, I wouldn't give him away because they're worried about his body type. I wouldn't give him away because he will be less than a Gold Glove caliber first baseman, for example. But if you could, uh, if you could get really good pitching uh, uh, that for him in some kind of package, then I, I would, I would seriously consider doing that. Let's continue that conversation. I want to let you know that Corona is the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins, the presenting sponsor of the Chin Music Show here at TalkNorth.com. Thanks to Corona. By the way, we also are sponsored on some of our shows by Headflyer Brewing. December 15th, 6.30 p.m., we're going to run the Cheryl Reeve Show in conjunction with Lori Ramsey's Winter Wear Drive. It's a great event. It's a great cause. Uh, it helps out a lot of uh, homeless youth, homeless people who just – are stuck out on the streets in the winter. Uh, at least we can get them something that, that makes life a little more palatable. Uh, you can donate. Uh, if you just look up uh, the Cheryl Reeves show, uh, social media feeds anywhere on Twitter or social media, you will find out how to donate or how to arrive. But if you can just come out, it'll be a good time. Six thirty Thursday night, uh, head flyer brewing. And we hope to see you there. Uh, so let's keep this going. I, because I, I hear what both of you are saying, and I've had the same thoughts on both sides over time. Uh, Arise, I love Arise. I love the way he plays. I love his attitude. I love his competitiveness. I love the way he extends at bats. I love seeing him in the leadoff spot. I love seeing him in the lineup. And yet, I'm not 100% sure he's going to be durable. Uh, He doesn't hit for power. He's not a great fielder. They have a lot of people coming up, including Royce Lewis. They're going to have to find places for, especially if they end up bringing Correa in. Uh, so, you know, so my gut says, do not trade this guy. Um, and my head says, well, of course you would trade him if you can upgrade, you know, your starting pitching. So, uh, Lavelle, why don't you, uh, offer the rebuttal here? Now, um, I see, I, I see what you're saying too. And also the twins do have a second base prospect, uh, who was at the Arizona fall league this year and, and was styling, um, his name escapes me right now. I'm gonna try to look it up right quick, but, uh, um, they do have some options there to um, for the for the future, uh, and they also they have we still have Ori Polanco under uh, contract, and um, 
if uh, if they end up keeping if they end up keeping Correa, uh, you definitely need a spot for Lewis. And if they don't keep Correa, then they're gonna hold a spot open for uh, for Royce Lewis to take over sometime during the season. So um, it's my, I mean, I'm I'm I like Luis a lot, and I, I like I said, it had to be an interesting package. I have to see what the trade is. Um, but when I look at this Twins team and they get into the postseason. The, this personality has changed, and this team has stopped hitting. And guys don't know what the hell they're doing at the plate. Luis is not that guy. You know, he came to the majors undaunted. He came up to the majors, you know, falling off like seven Edwin Diaz, a hundred mile an hour fastballs when he was with Seattle before coaxing a walk. You know, coming in cold off the bench. Uh, his 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 makeup and his ability to play in in, in big situations appeals to me. And yes, that means I have to get through the season for that to shine in the postseason. Um, that's why I just if, they, if they're going to move this kid, it better be for a good deal. I because um, I, I think uh, he's definitely an asset and uh, a, a, a high quality individual who you know entered the clubhouse seamlessly and you know was a professional from the day one, and he's done all the right things. He spent the off season. I think he spent seven weeks with they, uh, with um, Nelson Cruz in the Dominican last year, and came to camp in the best shape of his career. So he knows what he knows what he understands his body, what, he, what it's going to take for him to stay on the field. I just like all the all the little makeup things about him. Uh, in addition to the fact that he can get you hit, so um, I, every man has his price. So if you can offer me a good deal and, and Luis is part of the package, then I'm willing to do it. Roy, any more thoughts on that subject, or we should move on? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's the whole—that's the whole point. I wouldn't give him away. I mean, there's no reason to, there's no reason to say we got to get rid of this guy. Absolutely no reason. Um, uh, it it all depends on the, uh, it all depends on who you get back. They can't make a mistake with him. I mean, they 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 can't. Uh, you know, as much as I was okay with the Paddock deal. Uh, you know, they can't, they can't trade him for someone like, uh, that, that's a, that would be, a, you know, that's, that's a mistake deal. Um, I think when you have that kind of potential value, uh, you have to listen to what people might offer you, uh, in, in terms of what you really need. And so it's, uh, you know, I, it's not a money issue. Uh, and it's, uh, I mean, they don't have to get rid of them for, for money reasons, you keep them, you know, for that. And, and you don't necessarily have to uh, get rid of them for any other reason other than how are we going to get a picture like this any other way that doesn't cost, you know, $300 million at some point in time, four years down the road or, or immediately. So, I mean, I, I, I'm thinking they won't trade him because I don't think that they're, it's, that they'll get a good enough deal. I think they're smart enough to get, a, you know, to not make a mistake with Luis Arise. So I don't think they're going to trade him. But if if someone drops something in your lap that makes you that much better on the mound and his lack of power. I mean, I understand what you're saying, Lavelle, about how, his tough and best. Look, I, as you guys know, when he first came up, I was I, I, I love the kid because I thought he was the toughest out in the lineup. He took the best at bats. And this is when he'd been up in the, he'd been in the game for a month. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, I agree with all that stuff, but ultimately you also have to say, yes, you're right. He can take the toughest at bats in, uh, in the uh, postseason. but if he's not going to hit the ball out of the ballpark in the postseason, 
you got to then then you have to look at okay, can we pitch in the postseason? And and so I I, I still come back to that. I don't think they'll trade him because I don't think they'll get a good enough deal. But if they do, then I would do it. He, and by um, the way, yeah, prospect I was talking about a prospect I was Edward talking about Julian. same as yeah, Eduard Julian, uh, who in 21 games in Arizona Fall League hit 400 with a 12.49 OPS. 21 games he walked 23 times, struck out 22 while batting 400. So um, that's a guy who they could probably move around the infield if they if they need him. It could be you know Air Perry that turns into a pure hitter to enter that lineup. Also, there's Austin one Martin. Thing. There's Austin one Martin other. also had a very good fall league as well. So the, the thing that's the interesting thing about this organization is as lousy as seasons that ended up being, there's a lot of depth and talent in the organization. Sorry, go ahead, Roy. No, I was just gonna. Uh, no, uh, sorry, I was just gonna. I was gonna change topics back to an earlier uh, yeah. uh, topic. Um, just um, you know, talking about or thinking about Max Kepler and where you know where he fits. He's an excellent outfielder, as Lavelle has said, and uh, I can see why there would be teams that are interested. And I think the, I, I, I would, I would consider trading him for the right kind of right kind of deal. I mean, there's at some point in time, if a guy is not living up offensively to what you think he's going to do and what you need, then you have to take you have to be vulnerable and you have to take the risk that he'll go somewhere else and all, all that offensive talent will finally come out. Um, but I think right now you're talking about a, uh, a an average offensive player and a great defensive player, and that will get you something and maybe get you a lot of something in a in a in a deal. So, you know, I think they I I'm. I would not be happy to see Max go. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Max Kepler potential fan. I'm a Max Kepler defensive fan. But um, he has not been the, you know, the other spot in the outfield that w- that will get, uh, except for the one year where he hit 30-some home runs. Uh, he's not been the kind of os- offensive player that the Twins desperately need. I mean, they need some more thump in that lineup. Uh, big time, and um, so, and, and you know that might, it might you know might make you say, well, then why would they trade a rise? A rise is terrific, but he's not thump. They don't have you know he'll he'll get you a run at a time. He'll get you some big runs, but if if Buxton's going to be in and out of the lineup, and Kepler's not any better than he is, and you've got. Um, uh, Kirilov playing against left hand every day and played against left hand. I mean, and you don't sign Correa, they're going to have a hard time scoring runs, even with the runs. Yes. And, and uh, even, you know, and with uh, Kepler being who Kepler has been. So I, I, you know, we're focused on pitching here. And I think, I think they should, we should be, and they should be. But oh, by the way, if they can, if they can pick up some thumps somewhere, and maybe it's in the minor leagues, but, you know, maybe, the addition of Royce Lewis is going to be a real thing. And maybe uh, Miranda becomes uh, even better than he was last year. I, I, I'm hoping that, yeah, and they're expecting that that'll be the case. But you look past there, and if Polanco, <clears throat> I mean, <clears throat> and, I, and Polanco is going to be, is going to have some thumb. But that's that's what you're talking about so far. And and uh, so you got to be looking at offense too. No doubt about it. Hey, uh, best way to listen to the show Subscribe at your favorite podcast app. It's free. 
It's the easiest way to listen. Uh, go to talknorth.com, find other shows you like, subscribe to those, or try to subscribe to the whole network. The network is getting very large. We have uh, Cheryl Reeb, Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta, Mike Grimm on the Gophers, Jeff Diamond and John Krasinski on the Vikings, John Malay on Preps, uh, Dave Lee on all kinds of stuff, tons of outdoor content. Check it all out. Thanks again to our producer, Brandon Morton, and thank you for listening. We do appreciate it. If you know anybody who would like to advertise with us as we grow, you can reach uh, Karen Cleary at K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at TalkNorth.com. And once again, thanks to Corona, the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins and the presenting sponsor of the Chin Music Show here at TalkNorth.com. We're not going to do a lot of Correa talk. We've we've talked a lot about him. We don't know what's going to happen between now and our next show. Let's uh, switch to something a little unusual. Uh, Patrick Ricey and Laura Day are being honored by the Minnesota Twins. Uh, Let's start with Lavelle on those honors. Well, uh, two people I've known for over 20 years in this town, and I've watched their their exploits on different levels uh, in different uh, different areas and uh, using different words and different body types, definitely. Uh, but it's been <laughs> a pleasure to uh, oh, God. be a, gr- a, gr- a, gr- a, gr- a gratuitous Roycey slam. <laughs> <laughs> From Lavelle. Oh, I, I got some Roycey stories, man. But, uh, you know, I refer to Patrick as Uncle Pat. Um, he has been fantastic for, for my career uh, development and just opening my eyes to things about the uh, being a beat writer. And I've always respected Laura and the work she's done with the twins. She's held various roles within that organization, and she has uh, definitely climbed up the ladder and achieved a lot. Um, I'm very thrilled for both of them. And uh, the speeches should be wonderful. It should be very entertaining. Uh, at the Diamond Awards uh, in January, the week of Twins Fest. So um, I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, man, you know, when I saw the release, I was uh, really, really thrilled, uh, you know, especially, you know, for, for Laura. It's hard for, you know, women to uh, get to the heights in, in Major League Baseball. We're seeing some breakthroughs now, you know, with uh, Kim Ng becoming a general manager. And Kim and I were on the same Ventures Committee panel this past week in uh, San Diego and um, Patrick, you know, uh, Patrick's been the mainstay and he's the voice of Minnesota sports to me. He's, he finds all these wonderful stories um, about baseball in the state of Minnesota and the characters behind it. So they've both been uh, treasures uh, to the baseball scene in this state. No doubt about it. Uh, congratulations to them both. Uh, Laura's been great. And by the way, Karen Cleary, our salesperson here, was a top twins salesperson before we hired her away. Uh, and so it is good to see more women in positions of uh, of power and influence. I know Laura's just worked like crazy over there. Baseball people work really hard. There's no way around it. I know people in other industries work really hard. Baseball is <laughs> it, so many people in that industry, they work their 10 hour day and then they stay for the ball game and work during the ball game. Uh, it's a relentless profession. Uh, it's also, you know, I also think that baseball writers are among the hardest working uh, sports journalists because the, the schedule demands it. And of course, Patrick, uh, Patrick has been uh, at, at heart a baseball writer's entire career, even though he's ended up being a columnist and writing about all kinds of other things. Roy, your thought uh, thoughts on, uh, on Roycey and Laura Day. Well, Laura has, I mean, what a, uh, what a tribute to um, just the the job that that she did for you know uh, and 
regardless of whether she was, you know, if she had male or female. I mean, it's, I agree with um, with Lavelle. I mean, you just don't see uh, women in baseball do the things that uh, you know that Laura has done very very often, and it's a real tribute to her. But uh, but also just on an absolute basis. I mean, no, no matter uh, no matter anything else. Uh, for her to be in the role that uh, that she ascended to for as long and, and be as important to a baseball team as she was um, and as she has been, that's 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 you, speaking of any industry and working hard. I mean, you just you don't see it very often uh, that that people uh, are that valuable for as long as she has been that valuable. So good for her. I'm glad. Uh, that she's heading into a great retirement. I'm gl- I'm really glad that she's being honored the way she's being honored. Uh, you know, she deserves it. And in like manner, uh, Patrick, uh, you know, I mean, he's been, you know, he. Um, I, I, I got to say that just the sheer ability to spend, you know, you know 50 years uh, day in and day out at Cervic is, that's no, that's, that's no small feat. Uh, stamina. Up, no. <laughs> yeah. the, the ability to uh, to come up with um, with snarky things to say, you know, every day for that long is um, is Hall of Fame type type stuff. And uh, I, I mean, Patrick of, of anybody of any writer deserves this recognition. He's been really good uh, for a long time, as much as he's. Uh, and and this is a, this is exactly the way it should be. He has said snarky, sometimes awful things about me and my career. He said some wonderful things about uh, about me uh, while I was playing and and since. And so I I appreciate Patrick, you know, very much for being you know being the guy, you know, being consistently the guy that he is that uh, and has been, you know, the whole his whole career and you know. Could not be a better recipient of, of that award, and I, I'm glad. I'm glad to see him get it too. He's, you know, he's first rate. And uh, it, it's so funny too because I know he loves you, Roy. He he loves <laughs> you. No, seriously. I'm, I mean, you know, I, I get. I and and if if he were ripping you behind the scenes, I wouldn't mention it. But I think I feel safe telling you that when I talk to Patrick, he's like, Roy's the best man. Roy actually tells you what the hell's going on, and that is, you know, when you get. I've always said. You know, people, the people who want sports columnists to be positive all the time, what they're telling you is they don't want to know what you really think. Uh, and if if you're never willing to criticize anybody, then your praise is meaningless. Uh, and Roycey is in that in that category. It, you know, right. he te- he tells you what he thinks. He tells you when he doesn't like something. So when he praises somebody, it actually has credibility. So early in my early in my career. He was uh, he was on me really really hard when I first got uh, traded over and and uh, and I heard all the comments that he was, he would make in the press box. You guys know, I mean, he said some of the things that he says in the press box. I mean, it's he doesn't even write them. He do, he says these things and cracks everybody up. And yes, it, it can be it, it it is often at players' expense, and it was. And it was my at my expense early on in my uh, in my career, and then you know I kind of turned things around. There wasn't as much room to say, except in 1979 when I got off to such a huge start, and then and then really struggled the second half of the season. <laughs> this is my favorite, maybe. Uh, uh, he said at the end of the year, 
you know, Smalley could get player of the year and comeback player of the year the same in the same year. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, pretty good stuff. And, and uh, I, um, I, I, I love all of that. I remember, uh, remember there was a, they brought in a second baseman during the Guardi era. Uh, I think Jay Canizero, is that the right that's, name? That's correct. Yeah, and uh, Canizero shows up like three, you know, he, he gets traded, he shows up, he gets dressed, he goes out there, he's playing in the Metrodome maybe for the first time, and this is when the Metrodome was basically asphalt with green paint on it, and he's playing second base, and there are a couple just lasers, like one hop, hot shot, skipping lasers hit at him, and they handcuff him, and Royce, he just, entire column the next morning, ripping this jerk they brought into place base and i come in uh you know i used to get there really early i'm there like one o'clock two o'clock the next day for a night game and i go to the clubhouse and canizero who i had introduced myself to, to the night before comes over and goes what the hell was that i'm just getting settled here i said man get used to it you know just part of playing in minnesota <laughs> <laughs> yep i remember that day he walked up to me and said who is this Rusi guy this? Yeah. <laughs> which which goes back to who was it i think greg luzinski um uh there's john lowe the great detroit baseball writer said that uh, he was in uh i think luzinski was with the white Sox, and royce ripped on uh luzinski or somebody luzinski liked or somebody like that. and luzinski comes in the the clubhouse the next day i'm going bring me roots i want to talk to this roots <laughs> <laughs> bring me ruth <laughs> guy hey oh, yeah, man. here's a here's a quick herbeck story speaking of raucous the second baseman though i told you guys a story about when they some young uh young guy reporter wanted to talk to him in the clubhouse uh, about uh about the balls being juiced Did i tell you that story uh, no, maybe. go kid, and tell us again though. this kid comes in this kid comes in and Herbie's struggling like Matt. I mean, he's struggling and he is grouchy. He didn't want to talk to anybody. And um, this kid comes up and says, Mr. Herbert, can I just have a second? And Herbie goes, what the hell do you want? And uh, he says, well, I, I, I don't want, it's not anything, you know, personal about, uh, you know, about you or, or anything. It's just, it's, I'm just doing a story on uh, the fact that people think that the baseballs are, are juice now. And I, I, I uh, I wanted to ask you about it. Do you think Do you think there's uh, the, the baseballs are are really hopped up? And Herbie gave him the Herbic stare for you know about thirty seconds, and he and he and he finally says, "So why are you asking me about that? You think my three hoppers to the second baseman aren't are getting there faster than they were last?" I <laughs> 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 oh, just love it. I just love it. Reminds me, by the way, that of uh, I'm covering the twins like 94. I want to say they're in Texas uh, and weren't playing particularly well. And Herbeck, uh, I get somebody tipped me that their Herbeck was going to go on the disabled list, but it wasn't official yet. So I walk up to him pregame. I said, uh, Hey Kent, uh, I know you're not going to like this, but I heard that you're going on the disabled list. Uh, I just want to confirm that with you. And he, he gave me the Herbeck stare and you know, I'm kind of a, a young beat writer and I don't want to be intimidated by a player. So I stare back I mean, it was like five minutes. He wouldn't. He wouldn't relent. <laughs> he was going to win, and eventually he did win. I just walked away. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, Herbie. You know, anything having to do with any kind of sports, whether it's the actual physical playing of tiddlywinks or uh, or or talking in the clubhouse to reporters or teammates, you can't beat him. He's going to win. Nope. He he, yep. he just wins sports things. 
Reminds me of Gardy. Gardy used to call himself the barroom Olympian because he'd beat you in darts or shuffleboard or whatever that, or golden tea, whatever the hell you want. That's All right. Hilarious. I think that's enough for this week. We will get back to Korea and free agency and trade talk next week. We'll also, uh, we'll, we'll kind of look deeper into some of these top prospects who could affect the twins decision-making process. Uh, anybody have any final thoughts? Anybody want to throw anything out there right now? Uh, I just want to say without, I, I, I can't get, too much into the detail, but uh, the weekend I spent with the Veterans Committee in San Diego oh, yeah. uh, deliberating on the Hall of Fame was really uh, an enjoyable experience with a lot of smart people who uh, had a lot of interesting thing to, things to say. Um, I will say this. It's it's important for uh, the committee to feel free to speak freely about some of these players uh, without some of the stuff getting out. So I understand the whole confidentiality part to it because there are some things I heard over the weekend that had my hair standing on my head as we were trying to make uh, the decisions on who should and should not uh, be voted for the Hall of Fame. And uh, people came prepared. There were some spirited conversations. Uh, there were some good back and forth. Uh, and actually a couple of really nice dinners uh, mixed in as well. Um, so I enjoyed it. I'm, and I felt honored to be part of such a, a distinguished group. And I, we settled on um, um, crime dog Fred McGriff uh, as uh, as the lone entry into the hall and I just want to let you, everybody know that you know this was not taken lightly everybody took this seriously and the conversation was about as thorough as it could have been to arrive at a conclusion uh, before we all opened up our ballots and started to uh, to vote for these guys so uh, it was well, a very hey, LaBelle, you know congratulations to you and the committee I mean there uh Fred McGriff is incredibly deserving of, uh, of that. I'm really happy for him. He was an absolute force in, in the middle of um, the lineup for uh, a long time. And I, I would just say that uh, he's a great example to me of the kind of player that should be in the Hall of Fame. And, and we've talked before about what are the what's the what's the criteria and why this guy and not that guy. And, and a lot of people don't want guys in because they don't, you know, they don't put up Eddie Murray numbers, you know, or, or Griffey Jr. numbers, or, you know, and it's, it really is about, if you go back through the history of baseball and you look at uh, who's in the hall of fame, there's really, there should be, there's two tiers. And, and I don't think you, that you should, that you should snub the second tier of, of hall of fame worthy players like Fred McGriff because they didn't live up to the first tier. And, you know, that's that's the case throughout baseball history where you have Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and Joe DiMaggio right. and Stan Musial and Willie Mays and and, you know, Ty Cobb and Rogers Hornsby and and and, you know, we go on and on. But then there's Andre Dawson and there's Fred McGriff and there, there's guys that were forces in their era and they should be recognized. That's uh, to me. That's what the that's what the hall should be like. It's not as Fred McGriff. You know, as good as Lou Gehrig, it's as, it was anybody anybody as much of a, uh, of a force in the league as Fred McGriff was that during the time that he played, and so yeah. and, and so good for you guys. That's it, and, and, and for for doing that. But but not only that, I just think it should shine a light on the way people ought to look at who should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think that the person who was voted in is a reflection of what uh, the committee you know, felt should define a hall of famer. 
So um, and think about this, too, is that if there's no labor strife in 1994 and 95, uh, McGriff gets the other seven homers probably and ends up with 500. And this may have been a mood issue with him anyway. But uh, so that wasn't part of the discussion, too. So I'm, I was happy for Fred. It was great to meet him. He showed up the next day. I had a chance to chat with him. So that was the other nice part. The, the conversations, you know, outside the meetings were awesome. I ended up bonding with Greg Maddox for like an hour. Uh, at the hotel bar on Saturday, just heard some great stories and um, some great background. He, what a smart guy, uh, especially when it came to pitching. So um, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed those moments. Uh, are you telling me, uh, Roy, we need a, we need like a breaking news sounder. Uh, Lavelle found in bar. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's a, uh, where do most that, good baseball discussions take place? That is that is not a uh, man bites dog story. We're gonna have to <laughs> we're gonna have to we're gonna have to figure something else. That's definitely the dog biting the man, no doubt about it. All right, hey, great stuff, guys. I love the discussion. We have a lot more to talk about. We can even talk more about these subjects next week, but I think we'll have some news at some point as well this has been a blast thanks so much thanks to corona thanks to brandon morton and we'll be back next week